Dun, 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 dun. I'm back. Welcome to Spinsters, a podcast where we love messy with a Y and messy with an I. Um, Jordan is not with me today. She's off doing very incredible things that she just randomly drops on her Twitter um, for the rest of us to admire. It's like every time I see something she's done, I realize that she is way overqualified to be hosting a podcast with me. But anyway... Today, we have a very special guest who is also far too good at what he does to be on this podcast. So without further ado, our very special guest. Okay, so will you start by introducing yourself and your fancy, impressive job? (laughs) Uh, My name is Estead Herndon. I am a uh, national politics reporter at the New York Times. And how often do you use the phrase, I was on the trail? Literally every second. I mean, it's my own. <laughs> it's my only personality trait is that I I am a uh, ambassador, elite member of Marriott, and I live in hotel rooms. <laughs> yeah, I think that is actually very impressive. Um, and Marriott's at least one of the good ones. Um, okay, so I wanted to have you on because we are nearing the end of free agency when this comes out it'll actually probably be like completely done but i was thinking about how the draft and free agency are an annual reminder of how hilarious media and reporters can be Uh, and you know all about politicking and i think that there's always this showing of like handshaking and back rubbing and all these kinds of things that sound inappropriate but are just euphemisms for I'm going to tell you this scoop, um, unnamed reporter who drops things that might be called bombs, and you're going to say something nice about my client. And I actually have a bunch of them screenshotted, but I just think it's so obvious. If you've ever seen a tweet from a reporter who's breaking news that compliments a player or a team or a GM in a way that seems like a little bit forced, that's exactly what's happening. And I'm not sure that everybody knows that's what's happening, but if you've ever seen a tweet that's like in 2021. Oh, Raymond Felton is signing with et cetera. He's going to be such a youthful addition to the team. Yeah. That's what's going on. <laughs> so it's can all- you explain the concept of reporters dropping in these ridiculous shout outs? And does this happen in politics? Oh, my God. It happens in politics. I, you see it in sports. And like, you know, you're technically not supposed to speculate on where people's sourcing comes from. But it's like very obvious. I feel like. Um, just as a reporter who is a sports fan, you can sometimes look at those tweets and be like, hmm, why did you do a follow-up tweet talking about like what uh, what leadership intangibles ta- this person's going to add to the bench, right? Like to me, that clearly means, okay, this information came from an agent and you are, in exchange for this information, uh, saying a nice thing about a player. And that happens in media um, all the time. I mean, sometimes it's less sinister than people think. Sometimes it is, uh, 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 you know, something that is true, right? Like, right. So like, uh, you know, maybe some player is adding size or height or whatever. And so you saying that isn't necessarily bad, but definitely the choice of it can be. It happens in politics um, all the time. Let me try to think of a good one. So Who I just- is in your pocket? I guess is the question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like notoriously ornery. So like, I'm not like a good, uh, uh, I'm not a great example. I would probably be a better journalist if I was more willing to do some of that stuff. But I was on the presidential campaign trail, which is like 
which is a warped time universe. You know, it's this like very intense bubble of like a set of national reporters and a set of presidential candidates and their staff who are just like in constant communication. And there will be times when you would see uh, a new policy come out, a new uh, uh, a new staffing hire or something where you can definitely see that the campaign has given it to this person for this reason. Sometimes they go to like good reasons, right? They go to black outlets to announce something so it gets to this audience. They'll go to some group because they have a special expertise on this thing. But sometimes it's personality driven and like you just have to know uh, sometimes that like you have to take some of the spin with a grain of salt. Well, especially, and I think this crosses over to politics because people who do sports journalism and and end up in or have always aspired to like p- covering politics yeah usually have that like old school journalism mindset and so if your tweets are entirely job related and breaking news related and none of them have anything to do with your personal personality then you can notice there's like if you scroll through again unnamed reporter who is very famous for dropping information about the NBA. You can see it's like announcement, announcement, announcement with a reply that's very complimentary. And it's like yeah. the replies don't add up. Like who deserves a reply don't does not add up. When you were describing that just now, it reminded me of Veep. And I have this theory that Veep is actually probably more realistic for the 2007 to 2012 magic. <laughs> like how they operated in their front office than it is actually politics. But I don't know. Maybe it's that as well. I mean, I think that's you putting more faith in political uh, <laughs> actors than I think I would. I've met many of uh, presidential staffer folks who are Veep-esque. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I get that. I mean, I, I actually became a journalism major thinking I wanted to be a sports journalist. Like I, um, I uh, hated poli-sci stuff. And so then I was like, oh, I'm going to write about basketball. It's going to be so much fun. And oh, basketball like, specifically? Yeah, you yeah, know, absolutely. I thought, I thought I wanted to like, you know. Who's I your like, team? The Bulls. And oh, the Bulls. Like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're wearing I, a Bull I, shirt. I grew up like reading like Casey Johnson and like all of those like Tribune, Sam Smith and like all of those like old heads. And I uh, was like, oh, you know, politics is stupid. This is like what I'm going to do. And uh, I hated it. (laughs) You know, like I I hated I I think it ruined the kind of fan experience. I didn't like that. And then it was just so access driven. I mean, it's so it's so. uh, uh, you know, you're very virtually completely reliant on the teams uh, giving you time and space. And if you're going to do like kind of institutional kind of like regular ass journalism, like you have to have that type of relationship that I, I didn't like necessarily care all that much about. Um, the thing I like about political reporting and specifically elections, which is what I do, is like, you know, elections are just vibe checks of communities and states, right? Like you don't actually need, you know, campaigns have banned me from going to events and I can just walk in as a member of the public, right? Like you can- you Wait, where, can, what campaigns have banned you? Oh, I don't want to say. Oh, okay. Wow. Because <laughs> uh, it would be news and like, I'm, I, uh, you know, let's leave the past in the past. Can you break some very insignificant news on this so we can say it's a breaking news podcast? Like something that does not matter that happens like- Sure, sure, sure. I will tell okay. you by the end of this, a story of, uh, uh, about a presidential candidate and you can guess which one it is. Oh, that's fun. Okay, great. Okay. Um, 
Uh, and so, wow, so you I, wanted to be a sports reporter. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I did. And I felt like um, a thing I like about political stuff is like you have an option of not only going from the top down, you know, you can kind of tell, uh, I think, I think like, you know, the kind of grassroots political stuff obviously is what's underreported on. And I feel like it, it, it's a, it's a different way to go about it that like, makes you become freer of the kind of access driven stuff that I think so much of political reporting and so much of sports reporting relies on. Yeah, I've noticed that about your writing and I actually have the same experience with sports. Like I've stopped going to locker rooms just because there's been instances where I don't really know how to build those relationships. And uh, I mean, you can only make it clear so many times you're interested in like a business relationship. And just as a woman, like there are women out there who do it and I applaud them so much for having the persistence it takes to be like, this is not like, do not try anything. But I've been in one too many locker rooms where I'm just like, this is I'm uncomfortable. Um, And well, locker rooms, I don't want to say it's actually exclusively locker rooms because it's not players it's actually like media members or team employees or you know just anyone else um hasn't really been such a problem with players but that's like i was just like okay well what do i write if i can't get access and do breaking news etc etc which is honestly not what i thought i wanted to do until it occurred to me that that was probably like a good way to uh, be a journalist (laughs) (laughs) no i mean i i get you and i also think that like campaign trails have those same complications, right? Like it is a, it is a very tight knit set of people who are traveling around the country together. And so not only the other reporters you're in with a very competitive environment, but the staff, uh, the candidates themselves, the kind of folks who follow them. And, you know, I, I have those experiences as, you know, a young person, a black person, all of those. I think that obviously there are unique challenges for other folks women and women of color and all of those. I mean, I think that the trail, um, in the same way as like I thought, I think for at least for the sports people I know, uh, that bubble can be exhilarating, but it also can really push out people um, uh, who, you know, I tell black young black reporters, I mean, this is NABJ, the Black Journalist Convention this week, so I've been talking to a bunch of them. And I'm like, yeah, like, the emotional labor part is really real. The like, the the difficulty, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you and say that being a black person goes to Trump rallies is like a swimming experience, you know? Like you have to make, you have to decide in your head that I care enough about out this output that I am like, I am releasing myself from like all the other shit that I'm gonna take uh, in the process, but also get the people who don't wanna do that. I, uh, that's a wild way to live your life. Yeah, exactly. And it's also like, Take that with the grain of salt that like make sure your employer offers free therapy or whatever health insurance that covers therapy. <laughs> Speaking of emotional exhaustion, do you want to share where you are since this will come out like a, a bit in the future? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, last night I was at a, a, a political rally for Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates to, uh, you know, Trumpy members of Congress. Um, and so I was with them, with some of their fans, and uh, and I'm writing a story that uh, will be out in the world at some point soon. Um, I when we had Adam McKay on, I had him compare uh, players to actors and directors, and I feel like this is going to get you in hot water. <laughs> but <laughs> if you can think of a Marjorie Taylor comp, that would be uh, yeah. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor, yeah. What is a what is an NBA player version of Marjorie Taylor? <laughs> I mean, I was trying to think of one before you came on, and I was like, the only clear one I can think of is like a 
Mitch. Well, I mean, Myers Leonard's out of the league, so never mind. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. The NBA hasn't let folks uh, uh, do this in that way. I Mitch mean, McConnell is someone. He's someone who'd be like a really good defender and blocks everything, but then also plays defense on the people he's supposed to be playing for. Yeah, I can see. I mean, if Mitch McConnell's political uh, reputation is just being like the Grim Reaper of the Senate, but like Republicans are thankful he's on their team, like that feels like a kind of like uh, uh, Joe Kim Noah-esque character where <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, you're going to get some weirdness. But in the end, if it's on your squad that you're going to you're going to you're going to think that you're accomplishing your goals. But that's a very abstract interpretation of Mitch mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good disclaimer. Really I feel like abstract, distant version of Mitch Oh, but Look, I said it first, so it's fine. Um, you're disagreeing because you're <laughs> no, polite. No, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi would be like, when you have to hide Steph on defense, but he's clearly right fucking there, like as a team leader, <laughs> but you still like on that end, he's just doing nothing for them. Um, you know, the Democrat, again. you know, Democrats often feel like um, uh, that year where the Bulls signed Rondo and Wade uh, uh, thinking that they could like win the league throughout shooting through three pointers. Like that's how that's how I frequently feel around Democrats is they're trying to swim against what is the obvious uh, and clear tide. Uh, yeah, and then, and then Jimmy and Butler like, was like, <laughs> and then they all ganged up and they were like, we actually don't care about young people. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I feel like Bernie would be Doc Rivers just based on hair loss and scary voice <laughs> <laughs> alone. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, uh, I, that's a, I've got a lot of thoughts about that. I mean, Doc Rivers, a uh, fellow Marquette uh, member, but we know we're, we're str- he's struggling these days. So we don't know if we claim him. Uh, yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, oh, Doc or Bernie? Doc, Doc. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where Bernie went to college. Um, Bush would be, do we have any war criminals in the NBA? <laughs> anyway, you don't or, have to comment or, on or, that. <laughs> or, uh, or painters. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Or people who, um, have really redeemed themselves against yeah, or people all who odds. Can go and on late night just to paint. I don't know. Who, who just all of a sudden people have forgot about uh, past <laughs> things that they've done. So you're a Bulls fan, but I, I didn't know that on Twitter, which is where I know you from. Yeah. Um, all I really see is like you're a Tottenham fan. So was yeah. your fandom rankings like soccer first? Well, the Bulls just basketball. haven't had anything interesting happening over the last three to four years. And so, like, I have, like, casually watched Bulls games, but more just watched the NBA generally. Uh, this year seems more interesting. I'm excited about it. Like, but honestly, as I feel like as Bulls fans, like, the the Garpax era was such a wilderness that, like, I have to, like, re-fall in love with them. Uh, you know, like, and right now we're still working through it. But yes, I, I, the team I'm always in my constant love struggle with is Tottenham, um, which, you know, you know, as always, started the week beating Man City and then had a really embarrassing loss by Thursday. The true Tottenham experience, you know. When I was trying to pick a team like two years ago, I flirted with the idea of this because my friend Sean is a Tottenham fan. Actually, there's a, there are a couple in my life and I just felt like they were exciting at the time i mean it was two years ago um that doc had not come out yet or maybe i just hadn't seen it yet so i didn't really see the inside mess the amazon (laughs) doc that really showed that because the leeds doc is just like wow this team is fun no i already loved bielsa but then the tottenham season came out and you're like 
This feels really weird. And it feels like they had a struggle with the documentary crew on what they were allowed to show. Yeah. Because, yeah, it was, because there was just a lot just of tension. Way more toxic than they expected really fast. Who, what team is the, this is how I helped decide as well. And it ended up not mattering because I was like, whatever, I'll just go where Bielsa goes. So like I have a Leeds jersey. It was a gift. But there when he go. leaves, I'm leaving with him. So, <laughs> I mean, it's hope might be short lived. I don't know. We just re-signed. Patrick Bamford. I get all of the alerts, but I still have no idea what's going on. Um, But I asked people like, who's the Tottenham of the NBA? Who's, you know, the man you of the NBA. So who would you say for Tottenham? The Tottenham of the NBA would have to be consistently disappointing. Um, I mean, my first thought was the fucking Knicks, but we're not, but we're closer than that. Right. Like the Knicks are like embarrassing uh Tottenham is just is just disappointing you know what I'm saying um the Knicks uh, have been embarrassed I mean everything you're saying like about the Bulls and the Knicks I'm like yes but not really like last year the transformation really began for both of them and then also the Bulls have just really changed their circumstances yeah but I understand your hesitancy in admitting anything good about the Bulls absolutely I think we're I think people do a little too much pendulum swing on the Knicks like you know they had a fine they had a fine year, but it's not like, you know, they like really seriously threatened it. You know, like it's not like they beat dogs. Or I think it's just mostly that I really like when people from New York are excited about something. Yeah. No, the city feels great when the Knicks are good. Um, uh, my, me, I live in Brooklyn and nobody fucking talks about the Nets. Me and my neighbors only talk about the Knicks. Like I went to two of the Knicks playoffs games just because, you know, I like mess. But like, you know, it's just I also think like, you know, like. Sometimes Knicks fans get a little too much dip on the chip. And I'm like, you made the playoffs once, like pipe down. Um, but I don't know. Let me, th- but I feel like the NBA is so hard to make those comparisons because people can't be shitty for that long, right? You, like you well, cannot- you you can though. That's the thing about the NBA is you can be shitty for super long. There's no relegation. I no, I, I guess I'm saying, I guess I'm saying like, like to 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 be fixed where Tottenham is where you're better than everyone else except the teams you need to be better in. And you do that for like 20 years straight. I feel like the NBA has so much fluctuation of highs and lows that like, you know, eventually the Warriors will become this Warriors. Eventually the Cavs will draft LeBron. Eventually the Bulls will fire their GMs. Like there's just not that, there's not that like, like silver lining ever coming for Tottenham. (laughs) It's just going to be sad. That makes sense. If the Pacers had a bit of a, better recent history maybe it's the Pacers recently because yeah always good yeah and maybe Tottenham's a little better I don't know the never never like super embarrassing but never able to put it all together yeah the Pacers I would say Tottenham are like the Tottenham Pochettino era felt like the Roy Hibbert Paul George Pacers Mm, okay or maybe the Blazers yeah LeBron was always there someone's always there the Blazers are another good one. Yeah. Yeah, the like because it. it's like they they are great, but they're yeah. never good enough. Current Blazers, former Pacers. See, that was good. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, you helped though, because I just I don't know, I still don't really know the reputations of each team. The main thing I've learned is who the players are. And well, only through if they are messy or not with an I, with a Y, like yeah, if yeah, they yeah. get into a lot of conflict with their teammates or if they've slept with their teammates' wives. Like I know all of those people, but I'm still learning the actual league as a whole. To me, that's like the best part of getting into. I mean, I have uh, committed, I committed like to the Chicago sky last year and I really committed to it in terms of drama. Like I wanted to follow every player on Instagram. I wanted to like 
kind of see what the, you know, like I needed, I needed, I feel like a thing for me to fully get into a league is to know the mess with a Y. And so I completely understand that. <laughs> That's one of my biggest frustrations with women's leagues is that it's, <clears throat> there's this, um, like, oh, we need to make them respect us first thing. And so the, how we enjoy the NBA, or I think how a lot of people enjoy it, is yes, through the games, but also with the younger generation, it's through the personalities and the conflict and the, you know, tweets that are like aimed at somebody, but really aimed at somebody else and the Instagrams yeah. and like, you know, what Joelle was doing two years ago. But women's leagues often aren't allowed that because it's like, okay, let's make sure that people think we deserve to be here first. Yeah. And if any piece isn't a puff piece or a piece about how our ratings are going up, then it's just going to be like a mess. And it's going to tell people, you know, you can't be fans of us. For me, and it sounds like for you, I'm a fan of rivalries and why is this coach still here? He's yeah. shit. Or, you know, like all I, I also like – the people I follow now, I appreciate that they talk shit about players the same way you would talk shit about NBA players. Like, we all have that one NBA player. Mine's Aaron Gordon, who's yours, who you just think is, it's like, this is so overdone and overhyped. So, sorry mm. to put you on the spot, but who is that yours? <laughs> Finish your thought, and I'll think of my NBA player who's like mega overhyped. I just wish women's leagues were allowed it. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, soccer teams overseas. I've talked to that, uh, to uh, someone else who works at Blue Wire, Peter Moses, about that a lot. Like, I just wish that we were allowed to, only the hyper, hyper specific fans from the beginning really can tell you that about women's leagues. But that's something I just, I wish we could open it up because that is fun. Rivalries are fun. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I, and I feel like I want more of that. And it's helped me get more into the team in like a basic personality level. Like, I just wanted to know what they, I, I wanted to like know more about their interactions and whatever, whatever. And I feel like that to me as a fan is the best part is like, you want those type of layers. And so like, yeah, I mean, it reminds me when you talk about it, about how it's like to cover black politicians as a black reporter, like there can oftentimes be a, um, a feeling of like assumed kinship and a feeling of like sometimes betrayal if you if you if they think that like this is gonna step in their mess or this is gonna air something out to like white folks or like all that other stuff and I I feel like in the same way you know I want all you know it's a little easier to think about in politics because they all have power and they all have accountability and you can like make that pitch first but I'm also just on a journalistic level feel like you know everyone deserves that type of you know like you know like that this is you know, like if you're a politician, if you're whatever, like you should you should be able to handle that scrutiny. And also like you're an institution that is that that is separate from just the individuals who are supporting it. And that requires journalism. Um, well, me and me and Jordan have talked about that, too. Like and it's not exactly one to one um, because more things factor into mm -hmm. this, I suppose. But like when all the Rachel Nichols stuff happened, we were like, well, we're going to talk about it, you know, but then it's like it, Maybe five years ago, Haley wouldn't understand and be like, shit, like, do you really want to do that? You know, so it's just like a, it's a thing that you have to just accept that. Um, yeah, we're both women, but, you know, so are the people you were fucking rude to. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I that's what I tell myself, too. You know, I covered um, I covered Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren for The Times. And so I, you know, and especially after The Times, uh, you know, and Hillary Clinton had their years long saga. It was like a, it was a, it was a position where all of a sudden I had to think so much about um, 
how to cover uh, women running for president. And, uh, you know, it is very much a balancing, it was very much a balancing act between a desire to like, to, to, to you have to know the pitfalls you have to avoid. Um, you have to be willing to step into some stuff. Um, but I think you have to do it with like a sense of humility so that, um, you know, and sometimes the haughtiness is what really gets us in trouble. Um, I've decided that my MBA, um, uh, I just am complete, I feel like I'm the only millennial NBA fan who has no feelings about Carmelo Anthony. I don't get why people, I don't get why people care this deeply about him winning a ring. I don't care. I don't get why we continue to placate like he's that much of a valuable player in the league right now. Like I think I too had a bunch of Nuggets jerseys when I was growing up and like to see him succeed. Like, you know, have no beef with the man, but the NBA Twitter's obsession with Carmelo Anthony blows my mind. Yeah. It's really odd. No, I'm actually with you on that. Um, like with the Blazers, though, it kind of embarrassed all my past takes. I didn't delete them, but, you know, I remain that he's not actually the best addition for a team. Uh, yeah, before you yeah, go I, no, you go ahead, because I want you to continue your Carmelo thought. <laughs> no, I was just I really was just thinking about it with the like Laker signings. I was like, you know, it's just such a thing that the, all of those sports sites can do is like throw up a picture of like Le like Carmelo and be like you know one last ride and has like 30,000 likes and I'm like just I don't know when like when did we all decide that we were this invested and um you know and so like I mean no shade though like I you know I don't care if they win or don't win you know like I, just, I don't like think sports <laughs> sites that are like make those uh covers that are all the people like hodgepodge together yeah and they're all like photoshopping the jersey and there's like lights in the background i don't think that that might be the judge of like the best because they'll hype up anybody um <laughs> if they yeah. have a good game there's a clutch sports graphic absolutely absolutely that yeah. that that part is true i feel like mellow has lasted too long in that space maybe the originator of that space honestly so before you go because you're on deadline that sounds important um i can't relate anymore we play this game that's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but with NBA people. Yeah. So you can pick your NBA. Actually, I'm going to pick your NBA, Kevin, for you. Okay. But you can pick any other Kevin. It can be like a journalist Kevin, which might be too easy. It can be a soccer Kevin. Sorry, football Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't decide what's worse. If I'm just genuine with my instinct to say soccer, soccer. Just say soccer. Or if it's like, because when I lean into it and I, I, it definitely is rude and snarky, but like, you know, you say like footy on Twitter yeah, and yeah. lads and then British people are like, the, you're, my I culture's not. I have caring about British Twitter and I, I will say, so. I mean, there's some words that seep in. Like sometimes I say pitch, sometimes I say pace. Like just kit. because of like listening to announcers, a kit also. But like I know I don't think I've said um football. I said sometimes I say footballer, but like I just say soccer. Oh, footballers make sense because you have to say soccer player and sometimes you don't have enough room. Yeah, right. sometimes I don't have that much time, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're a busy guy um, who's guy. playing games about Kevin Bacon. <laughs> you have to do these things first. Okay, I'm gonna pick your NBA, Kevin. Okay. Let's go Kevin Love. Okay. All right. So you pick your any other Kevin. Um, I will take uh um Kevin. Yeah, I'll 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 take 
I'll take Kevin Kevin DeBruno of Man City. Yeah, I'm definitely fact checking this in in real time. Okay, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> so wait, I need, connect, I need to connect the two of them. Hmm. Mm. Oh, let me pick an easier Kevin then. Now, <laughs> now that I realized the game did not play. Now that I've learned the instruction, <laughs> let me find an easier uh, uh, Kevin. I can pick Kevin Draper at the time since he was really easy. Um, uh, Kevin Love. Um, Kevin Love. And did, did Kevin Love, no, Kevin Love and Jimmy Butler didn't overlap on the Timberwolves because he got traded way before that. Uh, my thought is like, what I was going to do was Kevin Love to Jimmy Butler, to me in college, to uh, <laughs> to Malika Andrews, <laughs> formerly of the New York Times, to Kevin Draper of the New York Times. <laughs> that was, my, was the first Kevin connection I had in my head. But it's honestly too easy because I just use work. I, I think I have one for you, actually. Let's see it. That's only four. Kevin Love's girlfriend or fiance. I'm not sure. Who, who is that? Kate something. Okay. She seems really nice. Okay. I believe it. Um, is the Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. Okay. Oh, I really had to. I was going to get Sports Illustrated. <laughs> Someone who used to work at Sports Illustrated to the times, but I just don't care about media stuff enough. Okay. Who worked at Sports <laughs> Illustrated? Anytime someone's like, oh, Sports Illustrated legend, my mind goes to Grant Wall. Yeah. No, no. Instantly. I mean, I know Grant. I, I know Grant through soccer stuff. Uh, I know Tess Quinlan, who's big there, who I went to college with. Um, uh, okay, there you go. You went to Chris college Chavez, with them, and you work a, at the time. A reporter is also from our. I know from college. You know, I feel I didn't know that sports. I didn't know he was dating a sports illustrated model, but I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, uh, to be honest, like extra thirsty on Twitter lately, and it's kind of biting me because my aunt follows me, and she's um in her seventies, and she's like, "What did this mean?" And I'm like. Really nothing, Kathy. Like, please don't. <laughs> please don't Google that person. No, that's um, a, that's the only benefit of like the times when I would go, um, the times when my instinct are to go full foolishness on Maine. I'm like, uh, I'm, you know, working at a stodgy old newspaper does keep you in somewhat check. I'm like, I got to save that for the DM. I got to save that for the group chat. Sometimes you, sometimes you tweet things and I'm like, that's amazing. He's a Times reporter. <laughs> I can't believe he said that. And then the Times, the Times tweets that like that's amazing. <laughs> Wait, he is a Times, you know, like they're saying the same thing in a different tone of voice. You know, like um, when I started, um, uh, they were just basically like, you know, you can keep doing. You like, we don't, we're not going to make you change your tweets, but don't make us regret that we told you not to change your tweets. So I was like, that's oh, a really, yeah, that's like a the cool parent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's literally who's who is very obviously not cool at all. You know? like, yeah, exactly. I uh, well, the cool parent never really is, you know, but <laughs> I've never been told by any job to change anything. But one time I had a recommendation from an outside person who was like a mentor, like to stop tweeting mm. like uh, I won't say a human being because they were definitely more specific. They were like, just stop showing like in a in a very kind way. That wasn't this exact wording, like stop showing your personality so much because your personality appears to be a bit reckless. Yeah. Um, I think that was after a tweet 
where I tweeted about Rick Pitino's semen, which is like fair, you know. Um, but I was, also, I one time about betting too. But what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I was uh, revoked a job offer when I was at the Globe and I was going to go work somewhere else. And because uh, I, I used to work at Boston Globe before I came to the Times. And uh, I was offered from another big media place, a politics reporter job. And then they took it back and said they wanted me to do a month of tweeting that would be um, up to like to be like a normal Twitter account. <laughs> and that if I could do it for a month, they would give me back the job offer. And I was like, no. <laughs> What's a normal, <laughs> well, like normal politics, which it's a yeah. very full circle moment to what we were talking about earlier. There are capital J journalists who only tweet about the things that they are writing about. Um, but usually they break, like usually even in the people who, at least in politics where who they mention for that stuff, they almost always are tweet about Bruce Springsteen when they want. I was going to say it's only them. rock. Yeah, it's yeah, only ever about, like rock or like bands that they like. Or, yeah. or the Washington Nationals or like whatever else is deemed like within the scope of personality that like the bounds of white men in politics have allowed to be acceptable. And so like, I am always like, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't actually find it. Um, to be all that radical because you have let these white folks be themselves for the whole time. Um, yeah, it's uh, just that themselves is kind of muted. Right, <laughs> themselves is themselves is not threatening. Uh, do you want your promised presidential candidate story? Before? Oh yes, please. Thank you. Um, so um, this, uh, let, let me. Uh, what's a? Yeah, don't get yourself in trouble. Well, I'm, do I'm like not, I. Not. I'm going to encourage you to do it, but I would. No, 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 no. It's totally. This is. It's totally fine. So uh, one time I was on a, I was in Iowa and um, a, a person who's running for president who is white. So that doesn't limit it. Uh, uh, when was uh, asked what, what books they were reading. And this was a room of all white people and just, and just me as the only non-white person. And uh, the person goes, Oh, you know, I'm reading two things. I don't remember. And then the last book was Diversity. They Inc. said two things I don't remember. No, they they, they they said two books and I don't remember. what. The oh, you don't remember them. I just okay. Don't I just it, what year is this? Book. This is 2019. So, okay. Then the last book was Diversity Inc. And they went over and they touched my, they went over and grabbed my hand and said, I'm also reading Diversity Inc as like a as like a connection with the one black person in the room and it was one of the worst moments of my life <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so, out of the 25 democrats who ran for president you can think which one is the most likely to uh have a deeply embarrassing racial moment um, bloomberg <laughs> you, can, you can you can guess away because they are all equally likely to okay my moment. rankings are gonna go and i had to google them because i put it out of my brain um, okay, so I'm gonna go Bloomberg's number one. I can't remember if Amy was just boring. <laughs> oh, Harry just said, yeah, Klubachar could be her. I mean, we could go big and say Clinton, but I don't know if <laughs> it's 20, it's the 2020 race. So, Clinton, there was no oh, 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 right. Okay, I will, I will give you firmly that it was the 2020 race. Sorry, yeah, I actually think I'm gonna. Okay, wait a minute. Was it Joe Biden? <laughs> so that is that was my as promised story. You will get no confirmation. Maybe I'll just do a vague tweet. Uh, oh, uh, uh, it was Joe Biden for <laughs> I'll sure. Vague, I will do a vague tweet, Rhodes, Rhodes style, and you can uh, 
you can try to decipher. <laughs> you know why I guess my last guess is because you said that he came over and touched you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Harry, you also got that. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay. that, that. Listen, that is uh, that is yeah. I see. I see it's why astute. you. Said that. <laughs> All right, now that we're, we're both fired, um, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me, um, and uh, big fan. So uh, look forward to listening to it. Oh, thank you. Spencers is hosted by me, Haley O'Shaughnessy, and Jordan Liggins. This episode was produced by Jordan, Isabel Jocelyn, Harry Krinsky, and Alex Ward. Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yales, and me. Haley and Jordan, this is Larry from um, San Francisco, and I was just calling to say that I I feel it in my bones that that Ben Simmons is going to be a warrior, and I think he's going to fit in great with Steph and Clay. Um, I think he can play with Draymond, and um, I think he's finally going to have. Um, the winning team that uh, he deserves. So just wanted to put that out there. Thanks a lot. Bye.